0: From corporate to musicians, artists, acrobats, athletes, and so much more, there is so many different existing realities out there, some that we can't even imagine. Here, you get to tune into some of them and get inspired by Stories Unfolded. So following the Sisters mini-series, last episode you heard a little bit of the lifestyle of Kalina, about her being an artist. If you haven't heard yet, go there and check it out. And today we're gonna talk to Sibyl, my older sister who is actually located on the other side of the world, literally. The talk Yeah, I'm not gonna give too much in, enjoy the talk, there's a lot of information to listen and to soak in, but there's a lot of important aspects to be talked about, so listen in and enjoy the ride. Welcome, Sibyl, to the Sibyl, Sibyl. Welcome to the podcast, Stories Unfolded. It's nice to be here with you in person, which is uh, not often that we have this. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here and accepting my invitation. So let's start really with some icebreakers, just to kind of break the ice. <laughs> so people can place you in the world map. Where are we currently located? in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. But where would you normally be? Because this is not a normal scenario. Where well, no. are you really going to be in three days? I'll be home in Port Macquarie, Australia.
1: Nice.
0: Your favorite morning routine? Mm, not sure.
1: Waking up, stretching, or running to the bedroom because the kids are screaming and
0: calling me. Your favorite morning routine? routine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have one. <laughs> what would you do if you could choose the perfect morning? How would it look like? Probably stretch and go outside in the sunshine.
1: Yeah. Sounds pretty relaxing. Same. With the f- yeah. bare feet on the grass. Sounds
0: perfect. Mm. Not in the winter. With it's the cold. sock. In the winter. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what will one always find in your fridge? No, what you always find in the fridge,
1: there'll be some maple syrup, there'll be some tamari yeah. sauce, and maybe some almond butter. What else is always that pesto? Yeah. Vegetables nuts
0: <laughs> a lot of things are full of fridge <laughs> that's good <laughs> it's a family fridge i guess yeah but um, the essentials fridge. are yeah cool if you could choose a superpower what would it be i'd love to fly yeah. you can see
1: the world from all the way up there yeah observe that's... everything and everyone and just glide what would you observe just life the colors and the forest and the birds, the other birds. <laughs> that's yeah, my I bird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll
1: probably be an eagle, I guess, because I'll be flying above the other birds, just listening
0: to the music and just
1: gliding with the
0: air. <laughs> Sounds really romantic. What about um, you? <laughs> I would, I, that's actually always my choice as well. I would always go for flying as well, exactly because of that reason as well, just to see things. From above, from mm. the high perspective, eagle eye view. Okay, how would you describe yourself if I was meeting you for the first time? I mean, I know you for many years, but let's say... Forever, I've, I've known you forever. Actually, I've known you forever. You haven't met, known me forever. Yes, I have. Since haven't. my existence, but not since your existence, because I only came when you were six. Correct, but... Ah, uh, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I have known you from the tummy, you know, from mum's tummy. Fair enough. Okay, So what was it? How, but, would, how would you describe, describe yourself? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea how I would describe myself. I am a woman. A strong woman. A mother. A friend. A wife. I love being in nature. I'm pretty simple. I think. Simple? What do you As in, mean? I don't need much. I love moving. Another description, I guess. Yeah. I love moving, whichever way. It could be walking and doing yoga, going for a swim. Whatever, moving, dancing, mm. dancing. I think that's how I would describe myself. I guess, yeah.
0: I don't know. What it's else fun. would
1: someone? I guess I would see what other people are interested in knowing about me. I guess.
0: Well, yeah, that's 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 actually a really good answer. Um, no, I mean, it's it's a, to be honest, it's a question that I do because many people in the corporate world, if you ask, who are they, and they will answer a lawyer or a doctor or whatever else. And that's why it's a question I like to do, because until now in this podcast, I've never got one of those answers. So, I mean, I choose the people that I interview. (laughs) Um, But thats it's just kind of the thought to say that you're not your job, you're more than that. So I think your answer gave a pretty much a overview of who you are in a few phrases. I think it's a good exercise for one to think about that as well, too. Just like, who are you? And how would you describe yourself to other people? I think it's a very complex answer,
1: too, or question. Because you can't just simply say, who are you? I am me.
0: Well, there you go. That might mean
1: anything to you, but I am me.
0: Yeah. But then I can, as you said, I could ask you then, okay, but what does that mean? What do you like to do? Are you a mother? Are you a wife? Are you... Um, a traveler or you how do you earn your money do you earn any money or I don't know and then as you said depends on what the person is interested on they're gonna ask you about that specific thing I guess but next time someone asks me I'm just gonna say I'm me and you're who I'm me (laughs) I'm me and you are okay So many people might not know this, but you were a reference for me when choosing to study abroad just because I always saw how you traveled around and did your things, so I got really inspired by you. I mean, you studied in Switzerland and then after you met your now husband, you moved to Dubai, and, but now you're living in Australia, uh, where you've created your home, your family, during how many years has that been now? I've uh, been in Australia
1: 2011. since 2011,
0: so 12, 12 years. years. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, I mean, you constructed your life there, but when you were studying tourism in Switzerland, did you imagine living the life that you're living now?
1: No. How could you really? You can't really know where you're going or where you'll be, you know. I, studied, I started start studying in 2003, which is 20 years ago. Well, 2003 I left Brazil, so 2004 probably started so, studying. So. Yeah, 22 years ago I went to uni, so that's a long time ago. And I guess at uni you study something you're interested in and you like. You know, I studied tourism management and business management because that's what I love doing. I love travelling. Every holiday I was travelling. I worked on the weekends so I could travel. So I knew that I wanted to travel and be around different people, learn different cultures, learn different languages. At some stage I spoke 10 languages and I I knew that that's what I wanted. And I I had no idea where I would end up. And I don't think I ever thought like that, knowing where I would go. Of course, when I met Jason, I knew that we would probably end up in Australia because he's Australian. But, you know, we met in Spain and for two years we travelled all over Europe when we finally then moved to Dubai. And we traveled all over um, the Middle East and wherever else. Um, so, yeah, no, I didn't know that I would end up. Um, yeah. And it's nice to know that I was an inspiration for your traveling. I guess you were only 12 years old when I left home.
0: Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I was still playing. I didn't know a lot of things yet. Yeah. I didn't
1: know many things either when I left yeah. home.
0: <laughs> I know, but I mean, you know, you were working already. Like, I remember you... Um, doing internships before leaving uh to europe and i mean for me that was a very abstract life still because i i wasn't even in high school yet so but still like going into high school and everything you i saw you traveling and meeting other people and i mean i think uh, why i asked this question is I was also curious because I mean people sometimes if they start at university they have a bit of an imagination of a career plan of what you want to be or you know if you start working um some
1: people have an idea some people yeah don't. yeah I know I know
0: I know some that's what I say I mean some people do you you kind of create an imagination of where you would want to get at or what you want to do you yeah know. exactly like I you guess see, I love
1: traveling and that's why I study.
0: Tourism. <laughs> exactly, but then it also makes sense to not know where you're going or not know where you're going to be or what you're going to do because it's so, so broad. That's, yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly what brought you to, the, to these studies, it's exactly wanting to be around and wanting to leave, live new experiences. And that's exactly what you ended up
1: Yeah, doing. and also because I started studying business management in one of the best universities in Switzerland and I went to uni with people going to uni in, in high heels and makeup and everything and that's just not me. I, I did not fit. I'm like, nah, no, I, I can't handle this. I'm not going to be here for three, four years. I can't do this. And that's when I found a place where I could study tourism management and there I found the people that were like me. They were wearing sneakers or tennis, whatever you call them, and whatever clothes to go to uni because, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. And that's mm-hmm. just how I found, you know, I guess my tribe, I guess my people that wanted to study and were the same way as me. They had travelled around the world, they had a passport. They they knew other cultures, spoke other languages, and yeah, I guess it's a a, a more open-minded
0: head. (laughs) Yeah, people that study that, they automatically, as I said, they have this interest, right? And they probably also have been traveling already, so they come already from a background with a lot of culture, a lot of different experiences. It's just Um, where i connected,
1: I guess, with other people.
0: But I mean, just like a bit of a retrospective, so yeah, you studied tourism, but you didn't work that much with tourism at the end, did you?
1: No, well, I finished university and I went straight to Dubai. But as it is today, it was also back in the day that when you finish uni and you would look for a job, all they wanted is experience. I only had experience in a lot of traveling. Experience in managing a town or the tourism management of a city or anything. So when I moved to Dubai, where I could find a job was marketing. I went into marketing and organizing events, which I loved. I love organizing and I really enjoyed that. But then for a while I was marketing, you know, Shivas and whatever other alcoholic drinks and I don't drink. So it was a bit funny to be marketing something that I'm not really standing behind. So I'm like, okay, no. I left that. And then I worked in a development company for a while and I was a PA of the CEO. And then the crisis hit, while well, we're in Dubai, and just
0: lots of people... Just quickly, sorry, PA, personal assistant, we're just talking about it in the morning. There's <laughs> some other people, it could be physician assistant, but no, it's personal assistant. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and then the crisis hit, and obviously marketing is often where they cut first because that's, you know, promotion and you don't really need that if you're running out of money. You can't really put any money in it. Um, and then are like, okay, what am I going to do with myself? And I've always enjoyed being with children and children have always enjoyed my company. So I'm like, you know what, I might try and get a job in an early childhood centre, a nursery or whatever it was called in Dubai. Um, there's so many different names for the same thing. Just a preschool. That's a school for children that are not in school yet.
0: How old are they kids then?
1: They're under six
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Well, I worked with the little little ones, so there were two and three, free nursing, it's called. And then I did a, a diploma in early childhood or childhood services, whatever it's called now, in Australia, so distance learning while I was living in Dubai and working with children. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, I would probably move to Australia. And why to Australia? Well, because Brazil is just not safe anymore. I don't feel safe living in Brazil and having a family in Brazil. And Australia has very similar um, temperatures and the and vibe, I guess, the people are warm.
0: I just um, recently heard the description of Australia from a Brazilian saying that Australia is Brazil, that worked out well. You no, know, that's it,
1: <laughs> exactly, and that's why I knew that, you know, we wouldn't be able to start a family in, in Brazil, but we would end up in Australia. So I did a diploma there, so I knew that. When we did move to Australia, I would have something to do there.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I would have something to back onto if I needed to. And then I worked a lot with children in Dubai, which was ridiculously interesting. People from all all over the world, and I had quite a bit of contact with the Emiratis, the local families. A lot of very good talking, and I learned so much about the culture and the language and everything. was amazing.
0: So interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I, I visited you in Dubai, and it's a parallel world, right? Like, there are all the things that you see and the people that you meet, it's Mm. so international. So that was in
1: education, which was not what I had originally studied in tourism. I was still learning so much about people and
0: cultures, which is what I—the reason I had chosen to study tourism. It's so even a bit of a goosebumps here, uh, because it's that right. Like sometimes you're pursuing something, but you actually find it in ways that you didn't think that you would actually find it. Um, so as you said, like you're studying as a teacher, but actually you were getting exactly what you would have hoped while you were studying tourism, mm-hmm. right? And, and I either. guess it
1: was also because it was in Dubai. Dubai is such an international place. I, I worked in early childhood in, in Australia later. People there didn't even have a passport, had never lived, like left their towns. Wow. So it was just the, the lucky thing of being in Dubai at that time and being able to have a contact with children from all over. So many different walks of life and mm. different families. And,
0: and also different ways of educating, I guess, oh, as well. Yeah. The teachers that were teaching with me were from all over the world as well. So I have a,
1: a dear friend who's from the Philippines and she, she was teaching in the classroom next to me and there was another, there was an Australian one there, there was a, a Turkish teacher, so even just that, the people I was living with or mm-hmm. working with.
0: I'm just kind of going to say a little bit of an apologies here. We have a bit of an interference in the surrounding. Well. I'll stop a little bit quickly. Sorry about that. Uh, we're a bit on an improvised scenario around here. Um, but we'll resume. So just going back. So Sibir was just saying about the difference between the school in Australia and in Dubai. Um, so I think that's already a good trigger pick up for the next question so eight years ago so yeah you went from dubai to australia and then in australia you worked a little bit in a school there right well when i arrived in australia
1: i wasn't allowed yeah. to work because yeah, i was a that, visa yeah. so i couldn't work for a year and a half and the way i didn't know absolutely anyone the way i met people was volunteering i volunteered a lot at the community garden i started the community garden um i was in the group that started and then um and yoga in the gym that's how I met people so year and a half later I got a visa I could work and I got a job in early childhood because I had the diploma and I was qualified and I had the experience from Dubai working with children there was good but um, a lot of the values there were very different to my values so the way I saw how childhood was
0: so yeah, that was eight years ago. You decided to leave that. Um, I remember you talking about it. I remember how unhappy you were and that you were struggling with the management, also your position in there. And I remember a bit of a struggle there. And you decided to leave, and you went to India for a month. Still married, still with your bases in Australia. You, did, you went on your own, um, but then you went back to Australia to start actually creating the first nature school in australia so you left the conventional path to create the school that you were actually envisioning i guess and the nature school was inspired by the scandinavian forest schools and then with two friends, you have actually revolu- revolutionized the country's schooling system where parents choose to live in Port Macquarie, which is where you're living now, because of the nature school, which is the name of the school. Could you tell us a bit more about this transition and how was this journey? And with your friends, I remember doing little, that you guys did a lot of research as well in these four schools and yeah tell us a little bit about this transition and yeah, yeah I was
1: just remembering it's actually a little bit more over eight years ago it was nine years ago because I left the early, early childhood I actually started I was working full-time and then I started going part-time I'm like you know what I'm still not liking this part-time is not helping here and I got in trouble for letting a child play in a puddle no way! Yeah, it's because really... the child went home, or the mum came and she had wet clothes, and I hadn't changed her yet, and then I got in trouble for that. And I'm like, nah, this is wrong. I'm like This I got is ridiculous. Goosebumps. This is crazy. So I'm like, no, nah, I can't do this. So I left. And then in November of that year, uh, it was summer in Australia, and I had a picnic with two friends. And we were talking about childhood and early childhood and education. I didn't have my own children yet; they did. They had children already, and they were saying how um, nice it would be if, if there was a, a early childhood or something for kids to play outside, to play in nature, to be you know climb trees and run around, rather than being in four walls in an environment where you're you know now you do this and now you sit down for read a book and now you do art and craft. Mm. So we're like, okay, well, why don't we do it? Let's do something. Let's start it. Like the forest schools in, in Scandinavia. So we looked into it, and in the 1950s, they started doing these in Scandinavia. Of course, Scandinavia, they actually, the kids go outside in snow, in, in horrible cold weather. Well, for me, it seems horrible. For yes. me it's not really horrible, but very, very cold weather. And then we, we came up, we didn't come up with it, but we used that saying that says there's no bad weather, but only bad clothing. And we okay. Let's do it. Okay, but I knew that I was going to India in February of the next year.
0: Ah, so you had decided about this to open up the school before you went to India. Oh yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't remember that information. So while I was in India, I
1: was doing my teaching um, course, I guess, to to teach yoga, to be able to teach yoga. It was an amazing, very intense time. Very, it's so different to be in India. It was awesome. But while I was there, I was also on the phone with my two friends back in australia that's lloyd and jody and we were talking about names of the business and what we would do and whatever so when i came back from india pretty much a few days later we incorporated the nature school inc Um, We came up with that name. We had so many other names on the the list. And then soon after, we started a Facebook group. I don't think Instagram was even around then, or maybe. Yeah, it was probably in the early beginnings Um, of it. But we started a Facebook group and just putting, you know, quotes and ideas and things about children learning in nature and soon we had a thousand followers and we are like whoa and we haven't even started doing anything it was just the name of an organization and ideas and pictures and quotes
0: it was an inspiration a life inspiration
1: and we we soon saw that obviously there was a demand for it people really wanted that people wanted that change in early childhood so we're like okay let's let's start something let's do a pilot program so in july we started so that was winter in Australia so Jody was doing all the administration and Lloyd and I were on the ground with the kids so of course as you're starting we had our capital was zero um, so we just gave our time so it was a volunteer we got a bit of money from the government and from Australian Geographic because Lloyd is an adventurer and he had all the contacts so we got the first bit of gear like a tent for crazy weather um, a toilet and you know magnifying glasses and binoculars and then we started and we gave all our time for that I think and then from we only did one day or two days and then soon as it started picking up the parents were paying for a fee of course. We started being able to pay ourselves a salary and then went to three days a week and now it's five days a week and every day is cool. It's pretty cool. How many how many kids were there in the first group? Like how I many? Don't many? Remember. We we did I think back then we did a maximum of fifteen kids, I believe. So we, we tried and um, looked because I had worked in an early childhood centre. I knew what the regulations and the rules were and what the ratio was of how many adults mm-hmm. per, or how many children per adult. Um, so I knew how everything had to be. The only thing was we didn't fit in any of the boxes of the, the education system mm-hmm. because there were none like us anywhere. Every every child that goes to a preschool goes into a building, not into the bush, into the forest. Exactly. And to be outside from 9 o'clock to 3 in the afternoon, it was a very different concept. And it still is, but now there's a lot of other ones like us are similarly popping up and, everywhere in oh Australia. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, around the world. I think, but I believe around the world as well. There's some in Brazil as well.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, well, in Switzerland there has been already for a while as well. But yeah,
1: Switzerland as well, yeah. exactly. The kindergartens. And then we, so we never fit in a box. Although we were ticking all the boxes, we couldn't actually be registered or recognised as a registered organisation, which means the parents could not actually get a rebate. So they had to pay the full fee to have their children there. So it was kind of a private option. It's a private, yeah. so it's still like that. And we would love for every child to have the opportunity to go. But because it's not registered, many parents do not have the, the monetary, you know, the funds to actually be able to, to put their children there. But then, so the children that we started the pilot program with in 2015, yeah, they started getting older and they had to go to school. So we didn't actually get to the primary going until the kids were already in in kindergarten, which is the the year before, year one, but we had about, at some stage we had about 50 people helping out in getting a primary school happening. It was so much to do, so many policies, so many procedures, everything with zero money again, and you were still, because you're starting a yeah. school,
0: um, the government doesn't help you start a school, once you have children enrolled, you get help from the government it's kind of that typical I mean, it's, it's just gonna do a parallel, but in Switzerland you can only open a business when you have a business running huh? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of the, the same thought I guess just what came into my mind it's just like, you can only apply to become self-employed or to open a limited company or whatever to open some kind of company structure, you can only apply after you can prove that you have had invoices, that you have a website, that you have a business actually running. But are you allowed to have a business running without being registered? You need a business running to register. So that's kind of that's the same, that's why I'm saying, that's yes. what I'm saying it's kind of a similar, I, I feel yes. like it's a similar thing that you can only get help of the government when you have everything already running. But then mm. like, of course, it's nice no to have help, help so. the government, but you need the money to actually get all of the things running. Yeah. <laughs> so it was we, we had again we had to you know start a primary school so that's, that's
1: um, kindergarten we started with kindergarten year 1 and year 2 so we had to ask the parents to pay an upfront fee um, before the school started so we could actually pay for the principal we could pay for that first teacher and that first teacher is still involved with the nature school.
0: That's amazing. And she is the
1: head teacher and the principal of the nature school.
0: Wow. How so did that, you guys find
1: her? Uh, I wasn't involved in the nature. Oh. But um, she she said that she had already been following the school for many, many years. Mm. And then she had always known that she would want to be involved there. And she's a very passionate um, wow. woman. It's pretty amazing that she's still involved. And I hope she stays involved. Catherine, if you're listening to this, please. <laughs> Here's uh-huh. the message for you. <laughs> Um, Yes, and now this year we started seventh grade. So the secondary school um, started, and um, I remember one of the first meetings. Obviously, I'm not involved in any of the organization anymore, but I remember one of the first meetings that we did with the founders, obviously, the three of us. And um, Catherine asked each one of us where we saw the nature school going, and I said university.
0: Wow, like, oh, that's <laughs> we'll amazing. See. That's, I mean, to be honest, it was super. It's amazing to see the whole development that you guys have been. I, 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 I'm still including you in there because even though you're not like participating in the administration anymore I think you're part of the core of the thing if it wasn't for you and the three, two others I think that Jody and, and Lloyd are still involved Or Lloyd
1: like... is the teacher at 7th grade so oh, he's yes. the teacher, well, the main teacher in the um, high school I would love to have some classes with him. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. And then Jody, she's not involved in
0: the organisation. She's a, a parent as well in school, just like me. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go back to that in a bit. But I think it's impressive to see the entire development and how you guys have been, yeah, recognised by the government and having. I mean, starting high school. It's it's so powerful to to have a nature school in high school. Like I think I personally. I always saw already for primary school, like kindergarten or things like that, but I never heard about a high school following this principle. Is it in Scandinavia? Do they have that? Do they have a university or? I don't know.
1: I wouldn't know. We'd have yeah. to have a look. I know that in Switzerland they have schools.
0: High school schools? As well. Yeah, exactly. High school, I've never heard yeah. about it. But, yeah, but the yeah. thing
1: is like the the concept in the early, so the preschool when the children are under six they're outside the whole time but in a school once the primary school starts and to be registered you have to have a building so and the curriculum is exactly the same as the other schools it's just delivered differently and that was the idea when we started the primary school to show other schools what is possible the system the educational system is probably about 200 years old and it hasn't been changed it's still that same following the same um, remembering things and everything that would take to to go and work in a factory later but the world has changed in 200 years and children need different things so although they're ticking the same boxes so they're learning the same concepts that every other child in other schools in australia or in new south wales learn they're learning it in classrooms outside so every second week they go and have an experience outside they go to the bush the forest or the the beach or they have an, an excursion which other schools don't do it that frequently and they have projects there's a lot of problem solving involved and everything so Although they're still ticking the same boxes, they're just learning differently. They sit sit on the ground a lot in circles. They have a morning meeting, everyone's in circle, everyone respects each other, everyone listens to each other. All these things that often don't happen in schools, often it's the teacher at the front saying what you need to do, everyone else is sitting on their chairs and listening.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so interesting and also one of the things that you told me recently, we were talking even about it last week, last weekend, the kids in the nature school don't get homework. Correct. Because they do their time in school and that's the time that they have and when they're at home... They, they're developing other skills or other things or like it's it's super interesting how you can learn the th- same things but in a different way, as you said. How does it work? I have actually two questions regarding that. One is, I mean, you mentioned ticking the boxes, right? Did they have in a normal school system, you have exams or you have certain things that you have to pass to be eligible to go to the next level, let's put it that way. How is it with a nature school? Do they have to have exams at the end of the year to actually go to the next class or how does that work? I'm not
1: entirely sure how it works because I'm only a parent in year one. I believe in primary school. there is not There are no exams, but... You know, you're still ticking the same boxes, and a teacher with 18 children in a the classroom, they know each child. It's not like a classroom. Many of the classrooms in Australia is one teacher and 30 children, um, so it's a more of a one-on-one thing. So they they will see if a child is falling behind, if it's reading or maths, or, and they will try and offer them, you know, help um, mm-hmm. to. Get to the same level as the other children in the same class. So I don't think there are exams, but they observe and they know because of the projects, the way they're writing, Mm. um, the way they're reading. They have lots of reading groups um, and they try and put the kids together in different reading groups. So they just observe and I think they know. I don't know how it is in high school. I don't know if there are Mm. exams, but they're still an exam doesn't necessarily prove your knowledge an exam doesn't prove if you know how to think collaterally if you know how to be respectful to other people that will only be observation in day-to-day life
0: yeah that's what the focus is
1: it's not it's not on knowing if one plus two is three
0: it's understanding it's it's
1: understanding the concept it's looking at one piece okay you see one little ball and you see another two balls you know that that is three for example you know it's
0: yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But I, I know. I mean, if you have stories or know, I mean, maybe also maybe you're gonna experience that with your kids, which we're also gonna go into back into that. But if there is then a contrast between kids being taught at nature school versus a, a kid being taught in a normal school system, if one can see the difference or if there is a difficulty in interpersonal behavior between both, because it is a different way of learning and of living at the end of the day.
1: Um, There hasn't been a study done. I would love to get someone to study this. But um, some of the children that finished year six last year decided not to continue in high school at the nature school and then went to to another school, Mm -hmm. another high school. And it will be really interesting to speak to those teachers Mm -hmm. and see from their point of view how different the children that are from the nature school came, how how different they are, how different they are in solving issues, solving problems, communicating with other people. exactly, Because that's what the skills are that are important.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to do a study like that to understand... Yeah, how different, the the difference that the education system actually mm. does make, yeah. Um, so yeah, you mentioned your kids and that you're not any more active in the school administration. Um, and you chose to focus your energy more on actually administrating your home, which is a very complex thing. <laughs> uh, it's an art. And taking care of the kids, um, as well as still giving yoga classes um, following the, the trainings from India. The kids, as you mentioned, are of course enrolled in the nature school and i know that you guys as a family you follow a very sustainable lifestyle in very different aspects which demands also a lot of attention that's why i understand also the need of you administrating everything because there's a lot of things i mean i'm gonna yeah time and and dedication to actually live this sustainable lifestyle in a family i mean you also have a dog you have chickens, you have a lot of a huge garden. What does it mean to actually live sustainably for you? And how do you actually follow that in the household with the kids?
1: So living sustainably obviously will mean different things for different people. But the way I see it, it's not the right way or the wrong way, it's just my way. What is sustainability, right? What does it mean? For me, it means that my grandchildren will be able to have the same lifestyle as I do. Okay, so the way I'm living is a way that we'll be able to continue. Now, if you think about it, let's talk about salt. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. Where does your salt come from? There's this whole propaganda on Himalayan rock salt. It's good for you, it has good minerals and whatever. whatever. Have you ever thought about how many kilometres that salt flies to get onto your table? Is that sustainable? Will your grandchildren be able to have the same salt? You know how how much petrol, diesel, whatever it is that the airplanes use, is being burnt to get that salt onto your salad, and that's what I try to think about every single thing that we do at home. It's a lot. It's a lot. But once you you start,
0: yeah, there's no way back. <laughs> no,
1: there's no way back because I, I don't want to buy salt from Pakistan. I buy salt from Australia, hmm. from the Murray River, which I, where I know that the basin is actually being protected or is being helped by taking the salt out of the ground there. And if I couldn't find salt in Australia, I probably would just not have salt. I actually planted a plant, which is called salt bush that the Aboriginals used to use as salt. There are plants that are salty, look at celery, celery is salty, you can use celery instead of salt. So it's looking at things that, again, anything that your grandchildren will not be able to do is probably not sustainable. Like I, I think of the car, okay, we still have a normal car that burns petrol. I don't know if my grandchildren will still have petrol around. There's, there's so many people in the world. There's so many people using petrol. Every single day burning petrol. Mm-hmm. That comes from the ground. That's a finite resource. It's not sustainable. So it's, that's just how, I, how we yeah. look at things and everything that we eat as well. So we buy meat. We eat meat. We're flexitarians. And we eat meat straight from the farmer. We pretty much almost know the animals that we're eating. Same nice with finish. the chicken. We hardly eat fish because I worry about the plastic that is in the ocean and all the waste that goes into the ocean, all the microplastic that they're eating and we would end up eating too. And the same with the vegetables. I buy it straight from the farmers. I try and grow a lot of food, but it takes a lot of time to grow a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. And a lot of effort as well. A I mean, lot of effort of and, right? and attention. And, and you learn so many fails as well. And you learn from the failures. You know, I've, killed, I've killed so many plants. <laughs> so many plants. <laughs> But, you know, I have quite a bit of sweet potato growing at the moment and I have a lemon tree that is happy and an avocado tree that is happy and the pomegranate and, you know, it's just... And it's so nice when you do manage to make a plant survive and you end up with a melon, even if it's just one. It's so exciting to get a melon from the garden. And it's sweet and it's beautiful. Exactly. (laughs) And if it's not sweet, sometimes it happens. I just have to learn what else... What's the soil lacking that will make it sweet. And that's the other thing of sustainability. Where is your food coming from? What is Whatever you eat, whatever nutrients, the nutrients that will be on your food are coming from the soil. So if the soil is depleted, if you're eating food that comes from a soil that has had the same crop for many, many years, it's gonna have the de- depletion. It's not gonna have every nutrient that it could have. So if you know where you're buying the vegetables from, if you know that that soil is rich, that they're adding to it, adding compost, adding organic matter, and in, you know, if they're, the soil is full of worms, then you know that the food that you'll be eating will actually be real food. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just like eating packaged food. Like, there's a lot of packaged food There's like, it's nothing.
0: Mm. It's only processed so it's something. It's really, it's, yeah.
1: it's quite sad. And do you think,
0: again, think about your grandchildren? Yeah, that's a good. I think that's a good way of thinking it. Like, I think a lot of people don't think like that, right? Um, but I think that's a that's a nice perspective to have. Like, in the two generations from now, are they going to be able to do the same thing or not? And I
1: like to think of the soil because soil is so important for so many things. So the more you give to the soil the more the soil will give you so the more you put in the more effort you put in you know mulch and compost and food food for the soil. then if you're eating that food you know where does that come from from the soil so you need to keep feeding it Mm. it's taking stuff out i'm going to give it back if you you keep taking it it out there's not going to be anything left you know look at if you look at many farms where they have you know thousands of or various sheep, sheep, <laughs> and cows and things, and they're always in the same piece of land, always eating that grass, year after year after year. That's why in Australia now there's no selenium in the ground, too. It's depleted of selenium. So, unless you eat nuts that are not from
0: Australia, you will be depleted, too. And that's with any nutrient, with anything. How do you, I mean, Going back a little bit to logistics and I mean a lot of people see a sustainable lifestyle as something difficult to pursue and something difficult to keep on a daily routine. It's time consuming. Yeah. It's a lot easier to go to the
1: supermarket and
0: buying everything then. Mm-hmm.
1: I choose not to. I think it's about priorities. What is important for you and what's important for for your family. I like my family to have proper nutrients so for me that's that's really important.
0: So, how do you like how is there any tips or ways of doing it? Also, I mean, I see that you include the kids a lot in the process as well. I mean, they help. You were here and you were just saying, Hey, Alia, that's Sabina's daughter. Could you just go out and see if if it's ready? Exactly. Could you just pick it up and see if it's ready? And if it is, take it and bring it to the kitchen. How do you do you have any tips or do you have any ways of? How people could actually introduce some of that more into their lifestyles because I imagine one thing is doing the sustainability part, which is already very time consuming as we were saying and the parenting part I mean people around me are becoming parents, and I see it's a lot of work like it's it's a tough job. How do you include both in a way that it's nice and you can actually also have your life as a woman as as you so so there's a lot of things in that um, one of the tips i have for
1: making a life more sustainable is knowing that you're not alone and not doing it alone not trying to do it alone there's no point it's hard when you live in the city and you don't have a lot of land to grow food it may be harder but you may still have a buck when you can grow your herbs swap them with someone else See what you grew that and grow that and then someone else may grow something else. Like I've decided last season, last autumn, that I would not grow pumpkins anymore because I cannot grow pumpkins. <laughs> but I can grow bananas. So I swap with a friend who can grow pumpkins yeah, and she can't, can't grow bananas because where they? she is it's too cold. Yeah, that's So I think I think having that community sense is really, really, really important as well. So if you live in a town um, where you have houses People will have gardens, people may be growing things. Try and connect, try and talk. We're very used to, in our society, just live our own lives in our own little box and not talking to anyone who doesn't know their neighbor. Yeah. Do you know what their names are? Do you know their stories? Do you know if they like growing food? Have they grown food in the past? Do they have experience in growing food? Can, you, can they help you? And together... Together is the best way to do it. And I I say that as well for people who want to live on the land because living on the land is hard work. Mm -hmm. And growing your own food is hard work. But Mm -hmm. together you can do it. And swap. There are Facebook groups in Port Macquarie to swap food. And I'll go, I have way too much parsley. Does anyone want parsley? Sometimes I get something in return, but I'm happy to give it Mm -hmm. because I know that someone else will give me something else at another stage as well. And it's not about that. It's about...
0: I'm growing food. It's a use it, yeah. It's a, it's, it's efficient as well. I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you think worldwide, that's actually how trade started, right? Like it was kind of okay, you focus on growing that, we focus on growing that, and then we can exchange and
1: and that's how and that's a sustainable that. way to go. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And it's you need less money. Mm. You have more connection with the people that live around you. You're happier because you have the social connection. You're working in your garden, so you're happier because of that. You have habitat, so you have bees and you have bugs, which the kids love, by the way. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And I think with the family, the thing with parenting, every age has a challenge. Mm. And I've only been able to work more since the kids have been a little bit older. So when they're small. Like I breastfed both of my kids until they were two, two years old. And that was complete dependence on me because they... Exactly. Yeah. It's, bio, it's a biology and they And that's, you know, it was what we chose to do and it's attachment parenting. Many people don't choose to do that and that's their own choice um, and I respect that. The thing is what with breastfeeding and attachment parenting is that it takes a lot of effort a lot of attention from the parents for sure we believe that it was better for them to be with us and you know living everyday life rather than in someone else's hands Mm. a lot of people don't have that option a lot of people need to work and we chose to have a simpler lifestyle and I think that's one of the tips as well if you can give up a few things to be able to be at home with your kids the connection you create and what they will learn from you is so valuable if you think of indigenous cultures the original cultures they always had each other they always had the kids they had the grandparents around it was the whole thing of the village don't do it alone have a village around you have friends that you can swap kids you know i, I try and do <laughs> swap that as well kids. yeah like on a friday i know that our son can go and play at a friend's house so i can work a bit mm-hmm. and then the next friday we'll do it the other way around so she can
0: work a bit mm-hmm. and i
1: think you just have to look out of your box Mm -hmm. I think that is the
0: biggest thing with anything. And be open for for connecting with other people, right? To be able to create this network of like-minded people, of people going through the same things, to actually be able to share experiences, thoughts, Um, you can grow much faster as well, right?
1: And the only way you're going to do it is talking to people. Mm -hmm. Knock on your neighbor's door, take them some cookies, you know, or take them a
0: plant. Yeah, I think it's what you said. We're so... I mean, especially... In the city. Here, yeah, exactly. Here in the city, we're in Sao Paulo. And I mean, here, everything is so confined in a way, right? Like, you have your apartment, you close the door, you're in your little bubble, you get out, you get into the elevator, into the car, to another bubble. And you don't get to kind of... As you said, like, just to kind of... You, you can do that, of course, but it's not the normal, I'll say that. Like, it's not... The usual behavior, yeah. yeah. The problem is, I think, as, as a human being, we, we
1: we need people around us, mm-hmm. yeah? We are social beings, despite the fact that some of us enjoy being alone.
0: <laughs> we still need oh, people, yeah? Solitude is important. Correct. But, but, but um, to too live, much is also, yeah. Correct. I think the issue here, it may
1: be like that in many other big cities, is safety, okay? And, and trust. There's a lot of criminality here, and there is a lot of fear, yeah, everyone here lives in fear. I'm very happy that I'm not here anymore. And I actually, my acupuncturist said, "You, you, you like you, you flew, you, you fled, you, fled, 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 you fled. fled your your hometown." Like, yes, I guess I did. You kind of feel like you're in a cage, here don't you? And like, yeah, I am kind of in a cage because I'm afraid. Yeah. In every corner, there could be someone with a gun, you know, and and it's it's scary. Mm. you have to be very aware of that but in your own building on your own neighborhood try and meet your neighbors that can help with criminality as well Mm. because once they know you once you had a conversation
0: the likelihood
1: of them hurting you is a lot less
0: yeah and you yeah you get to a more human human side right yeah exactly a human connection and and sharing and swapping and, and all of that but with parenting i think
1: um only now so sebastian is four years old now and now i feel like yeah i have a bit of time more time for myself i can actually do a yoga practice i can teach yoga i can leave them with with jason or with a friend because before that it didn't really work it was too stressful for me to leave the house
0: yeah and it's also moments right like as you said it's decisions it's moments i mean maybe before you couldn't but now you can a bit more um so yeah i guess each period has its own moment his its own challenges as well but the good things i mean there's always the good and the bad yeah Uh, i don't want i don't want to call it bad but challenges i think Mm. it's maybe more the the correct yeah
1: and i think another tip because you're asking about tips right for parents or anyone who would like to to lead a more sustainable life or whatever it's no, not putting pressure on yourself, yeah? Like, we often do that as a society, I think. We try and go, oh, I'm a mother, I should have a clean house, but I should I should be cooking and I should have my own whatever and I should be working and why? Why should you? If it doesn't work for you, don't do it. Don't put that blame that, that you know, I need to or I should. Do. Just take that out of the mind. I think that's a, a really good thing. And, and remembering that every life stage has a challenge and, you follow what's right for your family. For me, it works really well to have my own food if I can. I can't grow a lot of food at the moment, by the way. My garden looks like a weed patch <laughs> because you're not there, or because in general it's looking like that for a few months. Oh.
0: But I eat weeds.
1: It's hey, another sustainable thing. So you learn thing. how
0: to eat things. <laughs> there right.
1: is a lot of foraging information, and yeah, of course we have to learn how to use what is around us. There's so many weeds that grow everywhere in town that you can eat they're good for you yeah we, we lost a lot of knowledge throughout the years
0: throughout we the lost many years too yeah. much
1: knowledge yeah and there's so much that we can grow in our home that is healthy for us there's medicine for us mm. and that is easy to grow you just put it in the ground and it grows and i know a lot of people don't have ground yeah. yeah but i know in sydney for example a lot of people that live you know in small spaces or apartments they're starting to plant in the verge so whatever grass there is in front of your building there will be something yeah put some oregano in there and
0: herbs so the whole building has herbs to eat from why not yeah exactly yeah it's a it's a it's a change in the mentality it's a change in the perspective right and i think one there's two things i think one of the things that you said just kind of take off the pressure of yourself i think that can be applied to anything anywhere to everyone right like that's Just do you, just do your thing, and that's it. And the other thing is, um, I think you mentioned a bit, kind of indirectly, uh, it's the the choice that you have, right? I mean, I, I know many people don't have the choice, but many people do, and I think that's also something that often can get forgotten. Um, that you have a cho- you don't have to live in the city. I mean, sure, many people will argue and say, yeah, but I have a job, I have this, I have responsibilities here, I have this and that. But yeah, also those were choices. Um,
1: and living in a city is more expensive. Yes, you earn more money, but you'll be spending more money. If you have a simpler life, oh no, it is a choice. You can earn less and you can have a happier life. Because ha- happiness is not in money. Exactly. Happiness is in who you are, who you want to be, where you want to spend time and what you want to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the, the argument still comes in that you still need money nowadays to, to live because it's still a capital, capitalism society, so yes. you still need to get, get around. True,
1: but it comes yes. the, back to the sustainability factor. Another really, really big issue is... Can you imagine, or we should all put in our minds, there's now 8 billion people in the world, correct? If every single person buys one packet of strawberry that comes in plastic every day, how many little packets of plastic are there? Everything we buy, you need to be aware of what you're buying. Mm-hmm. Every single plastic you buy will be in this world forever. That's why there's so much plastic in the ocean too, because it's not going anywhere. It keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller until you can't see it, but it's still there. And then the animals eat it, and then you eat the animals, and then <laughs> eat the animals. <laughs> or not even the animals if you're a vegan or vegetarian. Mm-hmm.
0: It goes into the ground. Mm-hmm.
1: There's so the much water. rubbish in and the, the ground. the water as well. Yeah. Where where does the waste go? What happens to the
0: waste? Do you know? Well, it depends where, but Okay. again... <laughs> what, what happens to the waste?
1: Do you know what happens in Switzerland? What happens to the waste in Switzerland? Well, they burn it. They burn it, okay. Yeah. What happens when you burn waste? They create energy out of the waste. Okay. okay. Uh, thing and does it come thing. out in carbon dioxide? Or not? To making difficult questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what happens with the waste in Brazil? It gets probably dumped in a landfill. Correct. Landfill? What happens with all that plastic under the ground? It stays there? Yeah, But does it stay there or does it travel through? Yeah, the water, it travels through. Of the no, water. that's what I'm saying. It's it goes into the yeah. rivers, it goes into the soil, it goes absolutely everywhere. So exactly. we eat it. We eat everything yeah. we can we buy, we eat. Exactly. It's disgusting. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me in sustainability. I get angry, as you can hear in my tone of voice. I get really angry with capitalism. With buying and buying and buying, without thinking yeah. Yeah. that it will be here
0: forever. No, no, for sure. Even if mean, yeah, 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 sure. it breaks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, my point is more in the sense of like, for certain things, uh, certain things you still need to buy. I mean, mm-hmm.
1: it, but it's how you buy. It. Yeah. For sure, and yes, it batch. can be a choice as well. If you have more money, you can buy fancier things. Mm-hmm. But you can also choose to go to the market where you buy things without the plastic. Yeah, for sure. And anyone can has has a choice of that because markets are often cheaper than going to the shops. So it's just it's about choice. It's exactly. making the choices in your life and
0: yeah, putting it in like the I balance think. and say what's what's more important for you, what makes more sense. It goes back to it, I guess, at the end what you said previously right like do you do your thing but again don't say it's not possible because that's that's a choice right because a lot of people might say that you know oh i can't do that or uh but i i don't live in the countryside or i don't do that you know often if you say something Mm, uh, there's a lot of comments like that that come and you're like yes well you can change that you can can if you want if you you have the choice Um, and i think it's about thinking about realizing
1: that you can be different you can do it differently you can if you start thinking about your grandchildren i think you you can do it differently and when you're in the shop Mm -hmm. and you see an apple packaged in cling wrap and an apple not packaged in cling wrap you have the choice of which
0: one you buy but i have to say in switzerland that's always a difficult thing to choose because you have the packaged apples are the organic ones and the unpackaged apples are the normal ones and you're like okay i'm gonna am i gonna go for the pesticides or am i gonna go with the plastic mm. so that's and that's, that's the thing everywhere in the whole world is different but we
1: yeah. do have a choice but and, but it's the same comes with timber things, right? We even us as children, we always had timber toys, mm-hmm. and there's this thing, you know, oh, it's so nice to have wooden toys instead of plastic toys. But where does that wooden mm-hmm. toy come from? Yeah. From a tree.
0: Has that tree been cut down? Yeah, it's the same with the with the whole discussion on plastic bags and paper bags. Right. Yeah. yeah it's it's the the plastic bags are plastic. Like yeah. It just, don't don't get a bag. <laughs>
1: That's well, I guess you can use a fabric bag if you. You know, that can yeah. be composted. If you put, have you tried putting your underwear in the compost? No, I've never
0: tried it. <laughs> <laughs> I never observed I, much I um, challenge you all
1: to do it <laughs> and see what comes out of it. If your compost is really good and it has heat, the only thing that will be left is it's the that plastic, that the, the elastic plastic. bit that is left
0: because cotton is compostable. Cotton is, is natural. Interesting. There's a yeah. lot of things that come into my mind, but I think we can talk about it for, for hours and hours. About, yeah, exactly. So, what's on the pipeline concerning future projects, be it your own uh, private ones, be it from the family, be it anything?
1: Well, projects. Any... I don't really like talking about projects until there's something happening, so I'm not going to tell you my ideas okay <laughs> i'm mysterious <laughs> i'll tell you after this okay um future projects i'm not entirely sure i think living day by day is you Makes know a as a family <laughs> as a family often i don't have a lot of time to think about you know what may happen or what would happen but future projects not sure traveling a little bit with the kids and seeing the grandparents i think that's one of the most important things at the moment the brazilian ones the brazilian parents yeah (laughs) grandparents the the australian ones are in australia they're very Mm. close to us yeah we'll see we'll see where the world takes me as you can see from from the day i've left brazil or even from the day i was born everything has changed everything has evolved and has taken me a different path that i didn't know i was going
0: to i never thought i would start at school (laughs) exactly (laughs) Cool, so I'm curious to know whatever's going to happen. Um, doors are open there. Uh, where can people connect with you if they want to exchange some ideas or see... I know you started on social media, you don't post that much, but occasionally you will post some things of your daily life, which I think it's quite nice to see. Yeah, yeah. where can people connect with you? Well, I guess you can connect with me
1: through Maya. <laughs> <laughs> She's best <to> <laughs> Or, yeah, through social media. You can probably find me on social media. Just put my, my name in there and you'll find it. Um, Yeah, I'm not much in technology at all and I think that's one of the parenting things that we decided not to have phones all the time we don't have a tv at home and the kids don't have ipads we don't have an ipad i have one tablet that sometimes we use when we're traveling um so yeah social media is probably the best way you're welcome to use my email as well but i think social media is the easiest way instagram or facebook
0: yeah i'll pull the, put the links on the show notes and then one last question if you could give one advice to your younger self what would it be? It could be your younger self from a month ago before you came to Brazil, <laughs> without the kids, or it could be um, the younger self studying in Switzerland, or the one going to Dubai, or even the one going going to Switzerland actually as well. Yeah, whichever um, version of you you choose.
1: At any point in life, I think we should take on breathing, meditation, mindfulness. To be honest, I don't do much meditation, but why not? Because I don't find a time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a choice. Because, because it's a choice. Um, but yoga for me is my meditation. And what has that has taught me is, and that's what I would tell my younger self, to not worry about things and to let things go. To step forward. Put the other step forward. Things will happen in life that you don't expect, that you don't like. They're absolutely horrible and that you would not wish that it would happen to anyone else, but you move on. And I think that's what I have told myself as a younger person. I was very anxious, and yoga taught me to breathe and to be in the moment and not worry so much about what could have been or what happened, what will happen or may happen, but to just be.
0: Well, I think there is no better ending than that. <laughs> i think that was a pretty beautiful ending so we'll leave it to that thank you so much for accepting the challenge of recording we're not going to have a video this time because we're just more comfortable not doing it Uh, thank you for the challenge yeah (laughs) i don't like being interviewed i
1: definitely don't like cameras so thank you for understanding that no worries we respect each other so
0: thank you and see you around So you've heard Sibyl, let's just take a break and give a long deep breath in and a long deep breath out. As she said, I think we all kind of I don't know if we all but that's definitely something that I've been trying to apply to just be more in the moment and don't worry that much about what has happened, what has been and also not worry that much about what will come because the truth is we're not going to have control of what's going to happen or not going to happen. We have some but not complete. It's it's a false feeling to think that we have control about everything because we don't. So I think what she said it's right on point just kind of stay in the moment, be here. And also, I think the entire talk has been filled with a lot of information to soak in, a lot of things to reflect on, and to think about the choices that we have in our life and how we're going to apply these choices in our daily routines and in our daily lives. And yeah, the choices that we have. I think it's super inspiring the the work that they do in the school that they've done that, that they've constructed everything um and also keep developing it. i think it's something that should be looked at in other places as well um, so i'm very grateful for cb to have taken this time to to be with us and talk about her her life her story and hopefully it will inspire some of you and with that being said it kind of closes this mini series of my two sisters. You had a glimpse last week on on Kalina and today on Sibyl. I hope you could see how different they live but that you couldn't get inspired by, by both of them because I definitely do often. So yeah, I think that's it for now and we'll see each other around. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate it five star and also share with anyone that you think that might profit from these talks, from these certain conversations. And I thank you for that and wish you a wonderful weekend.